0: What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Decoding Tom Swift. This is another special episode. Uh, We are speaking with none other than uh, the phenomenal, the stress-inducing, the (laughs) me (laughs) man of the hour. Please let these people know who is on the mic with us today, who has stressed us out for the last eight weeks.
1: Uh, my name is Cameron Johnson. I love chaos and violence, and uh, I am the co-creator and executive producer of the Tom Swift TV show on the on the CW.
0: Boy, are you ever. I, okay, y'all you, you already know who I am, Rain Coleman, the Carefree Blur. Hit me up on Twitter, and I have my wonderful co-host. Please let them know who else is on the mic with me today. M. Haynes, already feeling the stress and chaos that is about to come. Good lord, (laughs) okay. So nine is
1: wild and 10 is insane. See, okay, nine is is probably episode nine is like, like, like you, you make like emotionally, like you may cry, like we really go there. And then 10, oh god, I mean, we really, I mean, 10 is 10 is, I don't know if 10 is my favorite, 10 is probably some of the best writing I've personally ever done, but like there are, but it's just, it's, it's a really fun ride, and y'all gonna be real, real mad at the end, just really, really upset.
0: Okay, that doesn't make it any better. I'm <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. Uh you okay, so diving right in because clearly, y'all, if y'all don't know, get with it. Um Cameron, where did this come from? Where how did you where are you and Tom Swift? We get where am from. I and Tom
1: Swift? Okay, yeah. so um uh, the larger st- so the narrative is this I was um I was being dumb on Twitter as I often am. I am often dumb on Twitter, I have a lot of stupid jokes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I got a DM from Josh Safran, who's the showrunner of Gossip Girl, and mm-hmm. he was like, hey, surprise, bitch, I follow you on Twitter, you want to staff?" And I was, I'd was i been working on other shows, I worked on Empire for a couple of years, I'd sold a couple of pilots, one to Bravo, and then to Peacock, and then another one to Fox, and so it was like, a sort of like, okay, cool, like, oh, this is gonna be my next job, it'll be fun. And then I got into the meeting for that uh, staffing meetings when you're trying to get a job. Usually, especially at that level, like are a few meetings. So it's like mm-hmm. you meet the showrunner and then you meet like the other producers and you meet blah, blah, blah. And so in my second meeting, there was this woman, Liz Rowinski, who was like, she's had this weird look on her face. Like she's like she's kind of hard to read. She's sort of like a very nice white woman athlete. And she's like, so it's like, she looks like she can beat you up, but she's also 5'1". And so it's like, okay, this is a little awkward, but like, I, I didn't know, and something was wrong and I couldn't figure out what was off, like, to, to save my life. And I so I went and I sat on my couch in this living room and I was like, fuck, I just, something is wrong. I don't know what it is, blah, blah, blah. And what it was, was that List was trying to figure out how to make it so that I didn't get this job so that I could do the other show that they had, that they were working on, uh, Tom Swift, which is, which is a spinoff of, which is going to be a spinoff of Nancy Drew. So she figured out how to do that. Um, uh, that very effective bastard, um, uh, who I loved <laughs> and she got me. And so then I, I met with uh Nogan Melinda, who created, who run and ran and created uh Nancy Drew. And we had just like a lovely little chat about, you know, this is what sci- what I love about science fiction and my love of James Bond, and you know, my dad being annoying, and my love of shoes and <laughs> clothes and such. And like there was they had a lot of great ideas and they came to me with a lot of like the, the, the with a lot of like the lore of the show and stuff like that mm. already broken. But the, the question of like who is Tom Swift and what is the character going to be like and all of that, I was important to me that it just felt authentic. It just felt like this is a real black person who is going to be as cool as, who's going to be as cool as possible. And then how can we take that same idea? And of like, how do we make this cool and authentic and expand it outward into the rest of the world? So uh, they didn't know what Jack and Jill was, and that's how we got the Tubman Society. They didn't know what, like, so, like, stuff like that. So there's all sorts of, all, all that kind of stuff that we can sort of add that people who are Black know, but, like, mm-hmm. who like, maybe are very well-intentioned and love us and want to write about us don't necessarily know. So, yeah. Okay.
0: Oh, uh, Wild Ride. Thank you for wild that. Wild Ride. And then it was, I mean, that <laughs> was
1: two years ago. That was... Jan. That was maybe June or July of 2020, and then we mm. spent about six months writing the pilot, writing both the episode 215 of Nancy Drew and also wow. the first episode of Tom Swift. And then we what we shot. Um, Melinda and Tian went to Canada. This was before vaccines, so they had mm. to like lock themselves in a hotel for mm. an hour. Uh, I mean, sorry, not for an hour. I'm sorry, for 14 days before mm-hmm. they could go film. And then uh, we shot that, we, test, we did testing with that. And then uh, the network was like, we don't know, maybe. Uh, and then they, that was, because we were supposed to find out May 30th of 2021. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in August of 2021, they were like, surprise, bitch. Like, here we are, let's do it. And so, <laughs> and here we are, we did it.
2: Good yeah. Lord. Yes. I vividly remember that agonizing weight. It was like, um, hey, what y'all doing? Like I'll
1: I maybe <laughs> just, were, it was very weird. It was like maybe, and it, for me, it was like I I was trying not to process it as a rejection. Like I, I was like, okay, I failed. Like I was trying not to process it that way, but it. But I was like, damn, this sure fucking feels like failure. Like I am pissed. Mm. And then you go and it's and then it's like music, uh, <laughs> give where we are now. But uh, it was like a, a whole thing as I went through it where it was like "We're," it's you just ha- it was a great exercise in like giving giving it up to Jesus or whatever, <laughs> whatever you believe in. And like just sort of letting it be whatever it is, because at a certain point, especially in this business, so much is out of your control. And mm-hmm. so if you've done your best, which I feel like I did, and you worked your hardest, then like it is what it is.
2: So, Agree. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um you with you mentioning kind of like, you know, just kind of stepping into like that Tom Swift thing, knowing mm-hmm. that this was, you know, connected to Nancy Drew and knowing that this was, you know, its own thing. Um, did that make you nervous in any way? Make me nervous? No.
1: I mean, the thing it made me nervous about was um uh I mean the things Nancy Drew and Tom Swift are very different shows. And so my concern was that, you know, I mean, Nancy Drew is it is it is at times funny, but at its core, it's really this like thoughtful, emotional exploration of like adolescence and young womanhood and coming into your identity and stuff like that. And it can be really, you know, like kind of sad. It can be sad and it can be really heavy and that kind of thing. And my. I just wanted to be able to do. I wanted to be able to be funny, and I wanted mm. to be able to do and do things that were emotionally resonant, but like be and but but still find that balance. And I think it's a credit to Noga and Melinda that we were able to sort of bring our very different points of view together. Like Melinda is like somebody's mom, and she's <laughs> like you know not culturally conservative, but very like so. Like, what is grinder? Like very that.
0: Like, <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> so are you telling me what now? Like, Noga is all cool, but and Noga is all cool, and we're gonna, and I are actually about the same age, but she's got like just a very different life. In that, mm. you know, she's like, with she's like supernatural, and she's been a horror movie writer forever. And I'm literally like been writing soap and com and comedy for a whole my for all my career, and so it was a uh, being able to bring those two three things two things together. I would have been nervous had I been working with lesser people, but mm. I wasn't, and so yeah. Oh my
0: God, that is uh, a testament to them. And when you mentioned drama, the soap opera is <laughs> shown through last night. When I tell you, mm-hmm, I, well, okay, before getting to that, I do want to touch on the conversation, the word choice, the, the everything surrounding speech, the script. I love that Tom Swift does not feel like it's mining Twitter for content. I love that Tom Swift feels like people having real conversations and I know you mentioned some of the black um black things that maybe your um your co-writers were not fully aware of and mm-hmm. I it just it it, it rings so true mm-hmm. with even though the Tupman society being created for this show it very much feels like oh was there is there some secret? <laughs> you no, know, of like I, I you know, tell,
1: like. I mean, we have not saved anyone. We, we're not building a planet, but like, you know,
0: maybe I'm going to spend
1: your trip. I don't know.
0: Like. <laughs> I, I But I absolutely love that. I love that part of it that it feels like a real show. People are saying, Zinzi, especially. Like, oh, yeah. Zinzi's great. I mean, everyone, but like, when I think of her scenes when they're full of energy, they don't feel like, dang it, Tom. Yeah you're Mm -hmm. stifling me i'm girl bossing like it feels (laughs) like an actual (laughs) i mean the thing is i love twitter
1: but like you know i've had a few i have a few platinum tweets and like it's never (laughs) i've never been able to hit like the meme ones i've never been able to hit like he's a 10 but you know i mean Mm. he's a 10 but such and such it's always something that is like real and funny and honest that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like that goes reasonably big um, or is like particularly like trenchant and politically or astute in the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think like Twitter is a and like trying to write like Twitter is sort of it, 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 it's it's kind of a weakness, if that makes any sense mm-hmm. for writers, mm-hmm. you watch a show and it's like. I, I've seen this, like, I, I know what's. And it's not only have I seen it, it's I know what's going to happen. Absolutely. I know what the bit is. I know what the meme is. The only time I've ever seen that done well is Insecure when she tosses the baby. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, and there's there's others that I'm thinking of. There's one that just came, and, like, I think the other two does a really wonderful job of, like, taking internet culture and playing with it. Mm. But, like, it's not, I, I don't know, for me, that like, feels like lazy writing, and it feels like the work of people who aren't funny and people who are trying to sound mm. young. And so okay. I'm not, look, I'm not 22, but a bitch is funny. And so, <laughs> So hey, it's fine. You just bring him in.
0: So
2: it 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 very much gives when people are so like mining Twitter for that content. It very much get, very much gives. How do you do, fellow kids? It's like um, <laughs> no. And as much as I
1: love Thirty Rock, I don't want to do that. There is one joke in the about uh, in the pilot where you're, you're watching too many Hamlet TikToks. and the Variety reviewer said that was you know very that was hello fellow kids, and I'm like fuck you. That was not fellow <laughs> kids joke. That was a that was hilarious. <laughs> and I added it while in anaphylactic shock in Atlanta right before we the day before we shot the pilot. So hey,
0: was really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. Um,
2: yeah, like, um, I do want to say just like for me personally, like, um, strong silent topics entered into my vocabulary yeah so i
1: appreciate that <laughs> i that in the anaphylactic shock the night before we showed the, the pilot we've gotten <laughs> so i should probably explain why i was in shock um yes. i have a lot of allergies and you know i um i'm allergic to so like nuts and beans and all kinds of shit. like that's you'll see that, that'll make sense in a couple episodes uh but with that said there was like a <laughs> like remember it? Well, you remember in six, she's the absolute. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. um, uh, I got one of those right here. Um, uh, but with that said, don't let the smooth taste fool you. I will die if you give me a peanut. Um, mm. uh, but with that said, well, I'm not gonna die, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm gonna be annoyed. Uh, um, uh, so what was I talking about there? Yes. So what happened is this: we were on set in Atlanta, and we shot the camera test, and I ate like one of those like fruit leather bars, not knowing mm. what was in it. And I had to take six Benadryl in order to, and I was sitting like, I, like where you, I had to like, the prescription ones are just powder. I broke them and poured them into a glass of water, and I'm sitting there like, do I stab myself with my EpiPen or do I chug this Benadryl? And the stabbing myself with, if you think is if you take your EpiPen, you have to go to the hospital immediately after. Oh, and so mm-hmm. I was just like, Benadryl in prayer, baby. Let's see what <laughs> we can do. Um, uh, and so those are those jokes. But uh, Strong Silent Top was pretty was was another favorite of mine. Absolutely.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing is that Tom Swift is basically Cameron.
1: Tom that Swift was... is not Cameron Johnson. I'm um uh, Tom is like Tom is a lot meaner than I am. Um but I'm also about fifteen years older than Tom or twelve years older than Tom. So like I have learned to hold things back.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> I've learned to, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't call my best friend. I wouldn't come on. I wouldn't I wouldn't so Zenzi is a real person. Um, Zenzi is my, is my, her, my, my best friend's name is Zenzi. We went okay. to high school, we're been, we were in high school together. And so I've been trying to name a character after her for years. And mm-hmm. the character herself, personality wise, is a blend of her and my god sister, Danielle, okay. who we sort of put them together. And Danny is the one who like reads me quite often. Mm-hmm. And so, I. Uh, but I would never say any of those things to them. Um. But with that said, like I think there's that, and I think there's also a lot of like you know wish fulfillment fantasy. Like I think if mm-hmm. there's like I, I said to myself, well, if I were a twenty-two to twenty-five year old billionaire, like and I were black, what would I want to do? Like what yep. would I like? What could we get? And so I think that that that's sort of like it, what 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 if you were Iron Man? I think is mm-hmm. that has been really fun. Yeah. But you are correct in that, like. I did put a lot of myself into it. I put a lot of my own life story in terms of like my relationship with my father and, you know, my, you know, sort of quest for uh, acceptance. Uh, mm-hmm. And I put a lot of, you know, just my, just a lot of my own life into it. I mean, the stuff with the, 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 like episode two, the stuff that happens with the Darby's, like that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not mm-hmm. in a cave. You know, we sci-fied it, but it was in a cave. I got locked in a garage, but like oh. yeah, those, those sorts of things, like the, the, there's that one and then someone another time someone threw me in a pool i don't know i was yeah. adolescence was rough but i did put a lot of myself into it but i think you and kind it of have to do that in order yeah. for the work to feel personal absolutely
0: yeah. it's and it it shows and like to hear that like I mean, of course you want to write what you know and this i think that's another reason why this show is doing so well mm-hmm. um the Darbys, by the way, if you know, you need somebody to roll up the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Let me <laughs> know. No, that's
1: that's that story is funny actually. At the end of it, I didn't remember what happened. So the kid came in like kid like years ago. I happened to be like the kid threw me in the pool because I was being too gay or something. And I was like at, at teen conference for Jack and Jill. And then mm-hmm. years later, he like, and I mean like fifth, 12 years later, he came up to me at a party and he was like, Do you remember me? And I'm like, No. And he's like, I threw you in a pool. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. You're forgiving. (laughs) Um, uh, And so, yeah, it was very that. But, you know, it's uh, I think as it relates to the show, I think that when I'm writing things that I that are personal and that I really care about, not Mm -hmm. to the point of narcissism necessarily, but as we put the show together, it became so clear that like so many people's stories can like really end up in there. Mm -hmm. It makes it feel stronger and it makes it feel like we're not just doing soap by numbers.
2: Yeah, no, that's real, that's real. Um, so if so much of it came from like from your personal life, is there any bit that's maybe like inspired or like ideas that maybe will come from things that you engage with, be like other shows you watched or worked on? Um, other shows
1: that I watched or worked on? I mean, let's see, what did I steal? Um <laughs>
2: Well, I wasn't gonna say that, but you know. <laughs>
1: I think we, you know, we love the, the, the Tomtage is always, it's like a, an homage to the A-Team. That is a mm-hmm. one idea Melinda had where she was like, mm-hmm. we need a thing. Where it's like, it all, it's like, you know, we're watching, you're watching the A-Team. And I was like, Ooh. what is the A-Team? And so then <gasps> we, I know what the A-Team is. I've seen the A-Team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. What Yo. Uh, but so we-
2: right <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's okay. It's okay. I told you, I, Tom's mean, I'm nice. And so then we did the, so we did, so we, 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 there's that, I think is a, is sort of a, 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 a gesture that there's a lot of sort of uh, nods to Iron Man. And there's a lot of nods to James Bond, honestly. Like those mm. are our, you know, we, we all really love James Bond. And there's, and then story wise, is there anything that we ripped off? Um, I think that there's the thing that was always important to all of us is that, you know, shows on the CW especially have an opportunity to educate. If that makes any sense, like people can really learn some shit. Yeah. And so we always wanted to, whenever possible, put that stuff in. So I think if you look at um, episode seven, you know, which Melinda wrote, her son is trans and she wanted to, like, it was very important. She's religious and she's the best parent. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's my place to say, but she's a wonderful parent to a trans kid. And like, she's done a really great job of, cho- of just trying to help him have the life he deserves to have. Fuck acceptance. Like, how do we let you thrive? And so how do we help you thrive? And so she's done a really wonderful job of that. And it was really important for her to say, to have, um, uh, you know, Tom's mom say this is like, you you can be, people who are religious should be transphobic. Like we can say that shit. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think it was always, and for others, I think it was always important that we never do, As what I think I tweeted about this, a very special episode of Tom Swift. Like I never wanted to do an episode where Tom gets pulled over or racially profiled or something like that. And there was a lot of pushback from the network about that. But the, the at, at the end of the day, what we were able to achieve, I think with episode six, is something I'm incredibly proud of because it was like, we told a story about a thing that happens to Black people and to Black women. I just watched Aftershock. And to try to make a case for... That, you know, I mean, there are people who believe that, you know, black people maybe shouldn't be in America and maybe we should go somewhere else. I mean, we should do something else. And what is the sci-fi version of that? And yeah, so yeah. at every, at, at most turns, we've tried to, like, take from other elements of pop culture but put, like, our sci-fi Tom Swift swagged out. Um, wow, do people still say that? Uh, I'll have to text my sister. Um, uh, version of that version of it uh, on the air. Yeah. That y'all
0: That episode six...
2: Listen.
0: I was ready. Let me tell you. <laughs> you, everybody, the writers were, I was ready to choke all yeah, oh, Everybody, <laughs> just line up, like, what? So
1: what it's you got to understand is that, so, like, when you're writing a show, so the way it works is like you in the we sit in the room, we talk about what we're going to do. Right. And so I'm and so I'm like, OK, yes, do that. No, don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. And we give the writers like a beat sheet like beats. Like, so these are the things you're going to do. And then they come back with something. Eric Glover. Erica Harrison is the best person ever. She's a black woman. She's the number two. One. She was the number two on our show. Super smart. Very friend. Very like great at her job. She's worked on a lot of procedural stuff. She's worked on she was on How to Get Away with Murder and Eric Glover who is a comic book writer who we who this is his first job in television and so we were super excited to bring him in and give him this opportunity and i remember sitting there in my on the couch over there on my fucking phone looking at this like you did what it's <laughs> like <laughs> a college's office like, what? You're in a Like, they can't breathe, bitch? What? Like, what? I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, I mean, I, I feel brilliant, but oh my God. Yeah. Like, you really <laughs> took that and ran with it. It was yeah. wonderful. It was just, like, so shocking. And, like, you know, I I had to, every time I, I had to explain to some of the writers that when I tell them, when I text them, like, you need Jesus, like, that's a compliment. Right. Um, and, so <laughs> doing it right. and so that's what I, and I I, I did shoot him, a, I shoot, shot them both a you need Jesus uh, we're going to church, um, but
0: yeah, it was a wonderful one. Yeah, the the way we ha- okay, so we clearly do a live show every Thursday, and for that particular episode, we had a conversation about how well episode six made up for everything in episodes one through five. Like mm-hmm. the, the the issues that we had, like even with Lorraine's attitude, I was like, why is she so? Yeah. Why the way mm-hmm. in which she's angry with Tom feels to be kind of out of whack with mm -hmm. his actual behavior. And so to have it come back full circle, for me to be so angry at Lorraine this whole season, like, girl, give him a break, his daddy did. Yeah. (laughs) I'm one who, ever since I was a child, and I made this example before, when I'm watching a sitcom, I'm like, I understand it's a sitcom. I understand it's 22 standalone episodes with maybe a to-be-continued in a few of them. But if Regine has a red wig and it's such a big plot point in episode 16, why wasn't that alluded to in maybe episode 13 or 14? And I get that even in other CW shows that I enjoy. I'm like, I still don't. This one? Oh, six? Forget about it. Yeah, we needed Mm
1: -hmm. it. Thank you so much for noticing that. We really appreciate it. And there's a lot of part of the luxury of that is having written so much of it before we started production. Mm, So it's like, you know what needs to. So it's like we got close and it's like, okay, well, actually, that needs to happen and that needs to happen, blah, blah. blah. Mm -hmm. But it was important for us in the end of the season to really, you know, Tom, especially up front, is kind of a dick. And like, you know, he's kind of a dick. It's like, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's acceptable. You're pretty, you're smart. I will deal with it. But it's like, he's kind of a dick. And so <laughs> we had to find a way to help him understand why his mom is so angry mm-hmm. and why why his mom is so scared for him. And then in addition to that, find a way to sort of get him into balance with like the the ego and also the weight that sits on his shoulders mm-hmm. and you know it's one thing you know i gotta go save my dad which is big enough stakes but then it's like i gotta save my dad and maybe am i being expected to save my people like as well yeah. like, what and it was a wonderful sort of transitional moment for him and i think that i think he, which i think you see play out over the rest of the season where it's like he goes through the emotion even in the you haven't seen that yet. Um, but there's a thing that happens in the next episode, a conversation with somebody that would have been handled very differently in episode, not in episode uh, eight, 102, than it would have been handled in episode one or nine. Mm.
2: Okay.
0: okay. 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 No, we saw it already. Just refresh our memory. We saw it already. We
1: <laughs> saw it already? I don't know what happened. You know, maybe,
0: there's a dinner. There's a
1: dinner. It's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> dinner, you know, I love a dinner scene, and there's drama, and it's good
2: oh we love dramatic din- we love dramatic dinners yeah um, so kind of building off of that idea like i'm a big like law nerd like i love like to know what's like what's going on that we don't get to see is there anything like set up in like the world building or like even the characters that you're proud of that we probably wouldn't see like on the show
1: in the world building and the characters that you wouldn't be able to that you wouldn't actively notice um uh hmm let me see. Hopefully you noticed it all. That's why we did it. Um, I think that like the the sets are something that we're really proud of, honestly. Like I think they did a really wonderful job of making you know, our, our production designer Charlie Debo making these just that that house is is like actually two scale. So mm. it is mm. that that hallway is probably a hundred feet long, and then there's two living rooms on each side of it. There's an upper floor, and so it's really, really, really crazy. And so I think that's fun. I think that in terms of the world's building, I mean, you caught it. That's the thing is you caught it. If memory serves on Twitter, you said, wasn't that Signet Ring Man, the Come Latino on. guy from the beginning? I, I was thing. like, I understand that shit and being like, what? Like, And there was yeah. somebody else who clocked that. And then I bet you this is Lorraine who's behind this kidnapping. I was like, wait, what? Like, who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The people were reading. Listen, the people were watching. People are watching TV. And so... <laughs> Astute audiences. And so, yeah, I think that was all really wonderful. I think those are my, those builds I think have been really important. And is there any else thing in the world building that I think we wouldn't have noticed? I mean, nothing that can't, nothing I can say. Mm,
0: okay. <laughs> Without noticing, I mean, I think you
1: can get to the episode, you get to episode 10, and you're going to have some thoughts. You might even be like, oh, that's what he was like hackling about. But
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, speaking of, let me tell you. We we had a brief exchange, but um, I'll be watching, okay? And y'all, I the way that you all have put this show together, I truly thought I was going crazy when we saw <laughs> evil Latino assassin in the Cotillion episode, because I am very aware of what I'm looking at. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. probably hyper-aware because of the type of show, but that camera work, oh, y'all...
1: Uh, Okay, so the gag is this. It was so obvious at first. So literally the take that he did is mm-hmm. that when he walks in, he like the, the bottle of cocoa butter, I am black, Don't he, he was, uh, is Tom. So he like literally like starts at Tom's back and like made his hand all the way down and around. And then we really did a thing. I mean, which is called hanging a lantern on it, but basically like pausing on this and making it clear that this thing has happened. And we watched it and we were like, it's so obvious, we have to pull it back. And so mm. we cut probably, it was a complicated shot to cut around, but we cut probably two thirds of what was there. And so okay. you, ju- what you saw was just the very tail end because we, we didn't want you to clock it. And so for anyone that actually to have noticed it, it's given how hard i worked to like.
0: No, you did <laughs> the job. You did, yeah. the, it's just I was so hyper focused on him. Hmm. Mainly not even from episode one, but from him being at the house, like getting ready to rough up Zinzi. I was like, okay, sup, what? Yeah. so yeah. trust and believe mm-hmm. y'all did y'all did that. Y'all I
1: appreciate it. it. I appreciate yeah. it. I just wanted to make sure that you saw that without that it worked, but we, we oh, were scared. Yeah. Appropriately yeah. scared. Yeah. Yes. I think that's fun. And then I think the was there anything else? I think uh the only other thing that you wouldn't know that's hilarious is that um I didn't tell you this. When they put Lino in, not the straight backs, but in the when they brushed his hair down and they pulled oh. it back, the execs literally didn't recognize him. And so we had to ADR in Lorraine saying his
0: name. Oh my God. You know,
1: they were like, we're concerned people won't recognize who Lito is. It's. And I love our execs. I love every single one of our execs. They're wonderful, but it was absolutely hilarious. They were like, who is <laughs> Lino? Okay, yeah. I was like, no, baby, we just brushed his hair down.
0: <laughs> this is <the> <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. <laughs> Especially with Lino's one of the only, like few light skinned people on this street. That's kind of it. He's it. I mean, who else is it going to be? <laughs> <He's in. laughs> Yo, oh my god, that's hilarious! That is, yeah, oh, okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's I likely know, so yeah, I like whoever can, him, him. I likely know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to pivot just a bit mm-hmm. so we can just discuss my disdain. Oh. for. Not not clear, but evil oh, Rashida Jones. Evil Rashida Jones. Damn. Because when I first saw her and those bangs, that is the first thing that came to mind because I could only see Black AF and I can mm-hmm. only see The Office. And I was like, why? Truly thought that was Rashida Jones for like the first couple seconds. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is Rashida Jones variant. What's happening? <laughs>
2: Is this where they put the budget? What's happening?
0: Yeah, Truly. What is...
1: What do you mean? Okay. I mean, so So, so what? Susanna came from... Well, Susanna Robb is also a friend of mine. Um, hmm. I named almost all of the characters after friends of mine. Um, uh, like Basically, unless they explicitly asked me not to name characters after them. Um, hmm. But then even... Uh, Danny, my god sister, was like, Don't name a character after me. And then she and then all and then she watched the show and she was like, Name a character after me. Like I don't <laughs> understand why don't, don't why is there not a character named after me? And so you'll if you can that that's a fun Easter egg for episode 10. There's a, okay. there's, a there's a some sort of Danny in there. But with that said, when we were casting there was a blonde girl that we looked for, and then we, you know, in casting, you kind of have it's sort of negotiation with the network. And so we decided, okay, so this, this is Elizabeth Cappuccino is the person we're going to work with. It never occurred to me that she looked like Rashida Jones until y'all said it, and now I can't unsee it. <laughs> like, I can't, like, I can't ever. I'm like, okay, well, that's who you are now. Like, this yeah. is fine. Yeah. It's, it's the haircut. It's the mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Where she comes from is there was a desire to take the road once we realized that you know i mean if you watched episode eight spoiler alert we know that s Zenzi you know got it in uh swirled it up did what had to be done um i think she left her hair on though i don't think she sw- i don't think she took the wig off i think she left it on. um uh, but with that said uh as they were i uh, so we know that that happened and y'all have some feelings about that um but once we realized that, like, OK, there's real chemistry between these two characters, we kind of needed a person who could just be evil and mm. could just be bad and who could kind of threaten Tom and be our big bad for the season and be the personification of what the road back wants. And mm. so out of that was born Susanna. And, you know, I think I'm for she's a very interesting foil uh, for like what, you know, they're going to for, for, you know, Tom and what he needs to achieve and blah blah blah. But it, as I think, as we get to know her, if you look back, you can kind of see the clues. Um, but as we get to know her better, and again, in some things you haven't seen yet, uh, she just she only gets worse. Like you, you will despise her by the end. Of this show. I believe it. Hmm.
0: Oh God.
1: <laughs> Truly, she only gets worse. Like you think her having, you know, what did I call him, Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, I am in a trunk. Um, and the original line was, "Please tell me you're not going to let Thomas the Tank Engine blow your back out on Auntie Auntie Lorraine's good sheets." And I think the network maybe did change it, maybe change it to break your back instead of blow your back out. Yeah. But anyway, I think those stands practices. But yes, with that said, they were after she made him stab some uh, their poor doctor to death in the back of a tr- in, the, in the trunk of a BMW. Um, uh, if you think that's the most you could hate her, you're wrong. Like just wait, she has a very interesting villain, a further villain development over the course of the next two episodes. And that's
2: And that's something that I really enjoy. Like, you know, one, you have your villain that's just flat out evil, but you also Mm -hmm. have like all these other characters who are complicated, you know, from Thomas the Tank Engine to Mm -hmm. Rowan and beyond, like all these characters (laughs) that are really like complicated. How do you feel about Rowan? What are your Rowan thoughts? My Rowan, thought, oh, my Rowan thoughts. Oh, my royal thoughts are nothing but pure joy and happiness, elation. He's fine,
0: he is <laughs> handsome.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, as far as like the character himself, like mm-hmm. I think I'm really interested in sort of like seeing more. Like, we need a book of Rowan, like mm-hmm. because I really mm-hmm. want to see like more of like who this person is. Like, why did he lie about this this lady being his kinfolk? Like, was that actually his baby? Did he is though? It must easy. 120 years old. No, like no. Mm-hmm. all of these theories. You know, I have no idea.
1: If only I knew. If, if only, only. Only I had mm-hmm. some idea of what would happen. I think oh, you're gonna be mad. You're gonna be really upset.
0: I don't trust
1: him. <laughs> okay, you don't trust him. You have trust issues. Why you have trust so issues? I,
0: I do trust him. But the last frame of last episode and coupled with evil Latino getting that baby from him? Mm-hmm. I said, no, I don't. You can't overpower Rowan. It's not I like mean, that. He's I a big Rowan. dude. Rowan, I mean, like, evil. you know, the man is a big guy. Like, he's,
1: he, he had the drop on him. He's a trained agent. He's, we watched, you watched him snap somebody's
0: neck. Rowan is full of magic. I know about Rowan
2: witches.
0: Rowan <laughs> witchcraft. I don't know Rowan is a myth. Is a magical being. So, yeah, yeah. so, come on. So, but I don't know. I I do trust him. But um. But you know what? I like that. That I cannot land on where I fall with him, mm-hmm. specifically because again, this show. I'm going to say something, but let me get through it because I think it's going to sound bad initially. This show, I feel like you could replace all the characters with white characters and it would still be a good show. However, this show being filled out with the characters that it has brings so much more to it than if it was just a plain, regular blonde hair, blue eye yeah. show with that one token black or that one token Asian character. Yeah. And It's also telling a stellar story that I could see people emulating this even if that their fanfic or emulation is all white. You're still getting Mm -hmm. such a great story but there's also a story that you don't see. I can't think of in my big age, I can't think of ever seeing a trans man as a bodyguard. I can't ever think of seeing and and forgive me if I get this incorrectly but a trans or non-binary person in Queen where I don't know if they're good or not. And mm-hmm. I like the idea that Queen could be evil because when have you ever seen a trans person or a non binary person or somebody who's not conforming who wasn't evil for the sake of the token evil character? So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's what part of the,
0: I mean, again, that's, like, that's part of what we were trying to do is
1: like I, our whole goal was to shift like who gets to be the hero. Mm-hmm. So when you watch, and I think the danger. What's interesting about what you said about like you could do the care I don't think the show would work with all white people. I don't think it would. No, no, right. no, at all, at, be, at all. I don't think you can get away with how cool Tom is with just like local white boy. Like he'd have to like he'd have to be like Richie Rich or something. I don't. I don't know. Um, uh, but with that, uh, because I thought about that, someone asked me that in an interview, and I was like, ah, I think so. But what I think is interesting, and that's not a. It's just the, there's just a sort of a cultural coolness that we are allowed cool. that, um, uh, that that he just that that I, I don't know that he'd be able to go that white Tom Swift would would be able to get away with. He'd have to be all American, but all American is a great black show. Um, so who cares? So that doesn't work. But um, I guess my point is to say that, like, we wanted to shift the, when you watch, you and me, you, and at, the three of us can watch James Bond and see ourselves in James Bond. We can watch Spider-Man and see ourselves in whichever Spider-Man you want to stand. Like, if it's Tobey Maguire, or if it's Tom Holland, or all the rest of them. But it is hard for non-black people, people who aren't people of color, to watch us and in this in a similar story and mm-hmm. see our humanity and see themselves in it. And so as a consequence our goal was to at every moment possible, how can we take stories that can that in some ways can feel familiar? I'm a guy, I'm I a kid who needs to save my dad. And he's kind of mean to me. Like we've seen that before. That's a familiar story. And sell it and shift it so that it's filtered through the lens of like a person whose perspective has not been explored. Like yeah. that was always our goal. that was And so when it comes to Isaac's character, I mean that's all Noga and Melinda that they wanted him to be a trans person. um uh, and I wholeheartedly agreed. and it was like those are the. The building of that person and like the way that we wanted to put him on TV and what and we wanted to show him off is also was is 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 is, is intentional. Hmm. And then in terms of the building of the actual character, you know, there's a lot of stuff that like there Was a lot of education for us because I mean, we are three cis people and we got into the room with our many trans writers, and they were like, Okay, well, that doesn't really work, and like, that doesn't make sense, and like, why would he do that, and like that. And, and it was just a great edge, it was an education, but it also, I think, made the character much stronger, especially as well working with Marquise because Marquise is very quick to be like, mm, No,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a
1: good way, in the best way possible. Um, he shows up and he demands, uh, he, he, de- he demands his space.
0: Good, 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 yeah, we. Had a chance to speak also with real, him. Also, real cute. That was Thank look, you saw my GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm no, I'm number one president of the Marquis slash Isaac fan club. Trust That's me. beautiful. That is like, a good thing. so uh <laughs> but no kudos to y'all because it 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 rings yeah. true. Um mm-hmm. and I think it's very you're educating on so many different one just in the script because you know you had the conversation about the astronaut the black cowboys and whatnot and even Mm -hmm. the prep being used in the antidote come on Um, but even in just these characters existing like it's you can't get away from being subtly educated just as much as you are getting fed this information through script so
2: Mm -hmm. oh yeah like going back to uh what we mentioned about so like how would this script work you know like with other characters like it's like two levels of nuance there's nuance in the characters themselves and it is a nuance of them being um black characters or being black queer characters or being black trans characters etc etc like there's so much stuff that's brought into that makes it so that we can see these characters as not just you know like interesting people just to watch but also as like full-blown like oh, like this is like a fully fleshed out character. This is like mm-hmm. fully like realized, these are fully realized human beings. Um, I guess my question is like, was that difficult to to kind of get to that point where you felt like, oh, like, yes, this is this is who this character can be? <coughs> hmm. Let me think. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it was, was it
1: difficult to make these people feel as real as possible? Um, well, I mean, we're very talented sir, now. Um, but I think that well, I mean, well, I think there's like a few different levels to that.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think the first thing that we that I that I've learned that I learned from Melinda and that also that I think is very important whenever you're trying to write something that's not you is humility. And mm-hmm. so it's I may have and I like I there's different versions of this, but like there's a the, I guess the, the funniest one is probably like you know when I want to write when I I've I've, I've I've written some rom-coms and stuff like that uh, and or even like on when I was on Empire writing about like these straight people's relationships and stuff mm-hmm. like that I have never been in a relationship with a woman I have never been a straight man like it just doesn't mm-hmm. really work I, I don't know if it's surprising you but I am gay uh, and so it's good to, I mean if you can see her here then like maybe that'll work right? Very <laughs> yeah tough. It is what it is. So my, but my point is to say that like what I will often do is I will call up my brother in law Danny's husband and I'll be like, um, "Would a straight man ever do this?" And he'll be like, "Nana, no, I'm sorry, I apologize. Like I just, that's not a thing." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. Let's not do that." Uh, I'll call Danny or Zenzi or talk to the many women writers on our. I think a, a great example of that is there's a one on our staff called, named Brittany Northcross. The she and Mike Poisson wrote the uh, Cotillion episode mm-hmm. and originally okay when was am i can i just fuck it uh originally uh Zenzy and isaac were gonna have sex in episode three okay so they were gonna date oh. and they, they were gonna like go on one date and then they were gonna hook up in episode three mm. and Brittany was like see look at us hoes just leaned in like yes
0: <laughs> but,
1: was like, okay, but cameron like what about the slow, like, the camera, like, the slow burn is so important in female viewers and blah, 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 and I was like, I'm your boss. No, you're right. Okay, cool. I was like, you're right. I need to be right. But that's the humility thing, is, like, you're right, so I gotta listen to you and, like, I gotta, like, my... Your perspective as like, you know, a creative lead is important, but it's also, you you have to be able to take in this information so that you can adjust it and tell stories authentically. Mm -hmm. So to that point, I think what we wanted to do with everyone, whether it was Zenzi or Isaac or Tom, is give them a clear sense of identity and give them a clear desire. That was not just, that it wasn't just, I'm Tom's support staff in one way or another. Same thing with Lorraine, same thing with Lino to an extent. It's that everybody has an arc a place where they begin and they end, and a story that they tell. Because oftentimes when you see queer people on TV or when you see black people on TV, it's here is the white character, the cocoa butter is back. And then there's the black character. And they have two lines and they're all about helping the white character learn more and be better. And that for me is not something that I'm necessarily interested in doing. Like I don't really care about that. Um, And so, yeah that's how we did it and then it was just going through as we wrote and made tried to make sure that they were felt like real people giving them you know real stories from our lives and from the lives of others that made it feel like okay they get to be real people too i know tom right. down but like and i know i know I, we, and we know the rest of them well too but it was more like how do we build that out and make them feel real
0: yeah y'all did that y'all, y'all did that like This show feels, and I, okay, and I want to make it very clear, both to the audience and to you, I'm not saying this because you're on here, I'm not saying this because we have this podcast, but this because I I feel like it could be easy to be like, oh, I love Tom Swift, y'all, it's not Mm -hmm. that, but truly this show, after episode six, I personally was like, okay, can they even do better? Because we, we rate the episodes at mm-hmm. the end. Of, like, how many Barclays? Out of 10 Barclays, what do you rate this? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, well, can they even, like, is it all downhill from there? And it's no. like episode seven show. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I find myself a lot of times when we're recording and when I'm watching, like, oh, this show is fucking good. Thank mm-hmm. you. Like,
1: Episode six made me cry. I don't cry. I I, mm-hmm. I lose my emotions. I probably cry once every two or three years. Okay, like good. I watched that. I remember sitting in my offices that way, uh, mm-hmm. and so I was sitting in my office and I was just like watching it on my bigger computer, and I was like am i crying like what's happening and i just fully lost it and then like came back in and was like okay so at 28 seconds of the fall we need to we add more can we add more elevators (laughs) (laughs) can we how do we can we slow down the effect of the dart hitting them but it's just because you're giving notes on a cut but it's like it was very it's been i I think that what i've loved about this and for better or worse is that the show we found our footing pretty quick, reasonably quickly. I think like once we got to like episode three, four, like we were in it and mm-hmm. then once we were in it, it was just off. I think we've been, I think we've, we get better and better and better and better and better. And so I think by the time you get to nine and 10 uh, in the next couple of weeks, like I think, in that like I, you're, I think it's going to be nine is wonderful and beautiful and scary and sad and fun. Mm-hmm. And then 10 is like, all of the stuff that we've been building towards over the course of the season paid off, and there's a car chase, so heck. We love a good car chase.
0: We yeah, so love a car
2: chase.
0: I'm, yeah.
2: just, I'm, I'm pre-stressed. I'm stressed yeah. in advance. I'm
1: pre-stressed oh. in advance. Good, be stressed, it's good. It's real stressful. It's real <laughs> stressful.
0: It's, it's literally like...
1: Okay, wait, let me think about this. So. Act two is utter is 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 like something horrible happens um, uh, to people you care about, no, and then Act no, no, no. three it gets even worse, and at the end of Act three like it gets like worse in the pos- worst possible way, and then you gotta free yourself, and then we still have two more acts, so <laughs> so it's literally like I remember when I was writing that I was like, "This you are fucked up. What is wrong with you?" Like I I because it was I kept having to. A lot of the changes that we were making were like um, to raise the stakes. And so mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, I mean, at the end, I guess that has to happen to them. Okay, cool. Oh, I guess that has to happen to them too. Oh God. And then, you know, I I, 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 I sort of relish making people both laugh and cry uh, in an episode. And so I think you will get there. I think you will get there.
2: And TN's so just- performance, um, it's gonna be good. So I'm just gonna apologize in advance for whatever fuckery comes out of my mouth or comes <laughs> out of my fingers. If yeah. you <laughs> have to curse me out,
1: that's a- <laughs> okay. my TMs and call me all kinds of motherfuckers, bitches, and hoes. That's fine. Been yeah. to a Beyonce concert. I have seen what people yell at her. Like that oh. is fun. I already yelled at it myself.
0: <laughs> it's a y'all, con. Y'all are y'all are. Some, I w- I want to say that Tom Swift Writer's Room Twitter account. Oh yeah, on fire. I absolutely love yeah. it. I'm, I don't know who's behind it. If there's one or many, but they are killing it. And I love seeing those tweets on my timeline. I love interacting with them. Y'all. They're
1: so funny. I will tell you it's one person and it's not me. And that's, you know, they would prefer to remain nameless, okay. but
2: um, okay. it's
1: one person and it's not me. And the funny thing is that, you know, they were on our staff uh, as an assistant and they were like, you know, and we, we asked them to do, they, we asked them to write some tweets and do stuff like that. And I was like, this is perfect. And they were like, oh, well, I'm not a comedy writer. I'm not funny. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Not like, funny. What are you talking about? I literally like bullied them into writing a comedy pilot because I was like, no, 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 I'm a bully in a good way. I'm like a nice bully. I'm like, you're gonna have the best <laughs> life ever if you just do what I say. Oh.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. yeah,
1: I bullied two of our writers into buying houses. Um, did I end the relationship? No, but like, you know, I'm sometimes helpful. I'm just
0: helpful. You know what? You know, if okay. I ended a
1: relationship, it was toxic, and you should say thank you. So like, if I helped you get. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no three, actually, story. three Because Melinda bought a house, I found her house for her um, Teresa Wong bought a house I found her house for her, she actually bought it sight unseen oh, and, really? and Brad Marquez Who wrote, Teresa and Brad wrote 108 And Brad wrote 104 with Fola We were We um, were he, 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 Brad used to be a video game designer. He's very, just very successful. And he mm. lives in this very cute bachelor pad and he's no longer a bachelor. He's got this beautiful fiance and they were living together and she's like hiding from the Zoom. And Brad had just bought this very expensive new BMW. And I said, Brad, what if you had one less BMW and one more bedroom? Um, They, he fell out of the chair laughing and they, they just moved into their new place. I'm like, Good. <laughs>
0: Oh, did you? Uh, bullying for good, bullying for good. So yeah, but if you trust
1: me out after episode 10, go for it, I understand.
0: my God. Well, put us on your booty list Um, mm-hmm. because clearly you have the magic touch, the mindset. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, definitely. I um Me and M. Haynes had a conversation and this is not me <laughs> auditioning for a job, but we, we were talking because we both write, we both write books. And so I was like, well, I'm going off explaining to him, oh, my God, I think I want to write in TV, but whatever, and I was like, you know what? The fact that this show, me at my big age, I'm watching this show, and it pulled that that desire out of me. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine somebody who's like 16, 17, ready to go off to school, who, though they enjoy TV and probably like writing, never really fathomed a Tom Swift-type show that represented them so well or more closely than say a gossip girl Mm -hmm. i'm like i'm grown i have bills in a (laughs) 401k and i'm like oh i I just want to write tv it's something i've wanted to do but just the fact that i watch tv so much but this is the show that brought that thought out of me in that way i'm like i know this it's just a testament to what y'all are doing so thank you
1: i'm you know i'm glad we could inspire but more than that you should absolutely try to take a don't don't just go write a script take a class take like a nice UCLA extension screenwriting class, uh, learn how to do it, get some structure. It's a whole thing. Um, And, you know, hit me up uh, when you're, when you're, when you're ready. But my, I I think there's TV that I watch. There's things that I watched where I was like, that made me want to be a writer. So I think about like Ryan Murphy um, and what he was able to do with Nip Tuck. I think about the, and I was like, wow, I really want to be, or Alan Ball and what he was able to do with Six Feet Under. And when I look at the, uh, I think there's one other, what is another show that, I mean, there's the movie where I thought like, Jesus Christ, how does one write that? I was watching War of the Worlds, um, the word version when I was in college. And I was like, what the fuck does a script for that look like? Like how do you do that? And that is what and, that, and that's why we're here. So yeah, I mean go do it. But thank you for the for the for I don't feel gassed up but I'm going to accept it. Um uh, I think that the if there's anything that you I mean that we have to inspire more writers and we have to make more people get into this business because the there aren't a lot of us. There really aren't. There are five black showrunners and two of them live on this block. Um,
0: literally, like, oh, wow. oh, <laughs>
1: literally like a block for me,
0: <laughs> yo. Okay, so
1: it's me and Josh Allen, like around the corner. We used to work on Empire together, and then he moved here uh, with his husband in the pandemic. And I was like, oh, okay, the two black gay showrunners, but uh, and it's like <laughs> really hard, and there's just not a lot of us, mm. uh, and so we need more queer people of color in this business, and we need more people who can tell like just stories that vary and are and are different than what we're used to seeing. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that like somebody can watch that and you're like, I want to go, I'm gonna go see, let me see if I can go make a joke about a tall white man. How can I make <laughs> yeah. a joke? Yeah. What can oh, I do? God. Though you look like a Kool-Aid ad, I think is another pretty one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> this
2: the comedy so,
0: uh, um,
2: related to that. I was curious like since you said you know we we need more of these like what advice would you give to someone who's looking like to try to get into um, writing for television in particular
1: I mean for writing for TV I think there's a couple of things that you can do the first thing you need to do is you need to get an education in screenwriting and what that means is that can be I went to school for it I went to USC I have a I majored in political science and I minored in screenwriting and that is that but what I mean by an education in screenwriting is that can be a class online that can be, you know, reading a bunch of books, that can be getting a degree in it. There's a lot of ways to do it, but there are what you you it's screenwriting is like writing, but it, there's a kind of a specific trade and craft to it that you need to go learn how to do. So how do I write a script so that it looks professional? What's story structure? Uh, and then you gotta learn the basics of like what's of structure. And so whether you're gonna write in comedy or drama. Um, you gotta have a you got you gotta know like how the story how story works and so if you watch any half hour comedy like especially it is usually three acts and the first act a decision is made at the end of the second act it's all about the complications of that decision something blows up in their faces and then act three is about them resolving that problem if you watch. The best TV show to watch for structure for me is Law has always been Law and Order. Yes. So you watch Act One, and at the, if there's going to be a trial in the episode, the person that they catch at the end of Act One is not the person. If there's no trial in that episode, if there's a trial in that episode, that is the person. Then at the end of Act in the Act, the end of Act Two, there's something else, and there's another escalation, and then it's over. Um, and you can literally clock it every 15 minutes, where like this is changing, this is changing, this is changing, this is changing, and that's always been that was incredibly helpful to me when I was learning to write. And the most important thing especially if you want to write drama, but really comedy as well, is you have to develop a voice. And so what I mean by that is that there are a lot of people who can write CBS procedural, like who can write like, it's a, you know, it's, you know, it's CSI or something like that. I can come up with a crime, but there aren't a lot of people who want to have something to say about the world and two have a distinctive way of saying it. You think about, Scandal, Shonda Rhimes. Mm-hmm. You think about like we know what a, what a, we know what an Olivia Pope read sounds like, and yep. even on shows that she didn't create but are under her umbrella, you go watch How to Get Away with Murder, you see mm-hmm. it. You think about Ryan Murphy and the way that he runs through story and the way that people talk to each other and stuff like that, you can see it. You think about Greg Berlanti, the way he works, like you can see it. And so those are the, you think about Issa and like the sort of the the connective tissue that's there, like you can see that work. And so you create a voice by living, like having a life, making stupid mistakes, dating to people you shouldn't, uh, having a family, having an existence, and then figuring out how you wanna take those experiences and put them on the page so that when someone is reading your work, even if the story is something that is familiar, it is through your lens and it is spoken in a way and told in a way that only you can do.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, a word, Lord. I mean, I'll be writing right
2: <laughs> that down.
0: Y'all want to see my no, no. <laughs> um, Oh, my God. Yeah. First of all, thanks for that. That is very okay. inspiring and in just having someone. Um, not necessarily hold your hand, but like explain some of the things that are necessary because you do run into a lot of people and not even just in this industry, just overall who are like gatekeeping a lot of things yeah. that, you know, I mean, also you want to put in the work, but to have someone.
1: Well, I mean, people are scared that someone's going to this is a. A lot of people in this business operate out of scarcity,
0: mm-hmm. and, and
1: what I mean, by that, and like not to be all like woo woo L.A. nigga about it, but basically like it's very, you know a lot of people think like I can only be the only one. And so therefore Mm -hmm. if I tell you how to do what I do, like I can't, I won't be the only one anymore. And I'm not, I'm interested in being the best, but uh, (laughs) I'm the most successful. I'm not there, I ain't quite there yet, but I'm getting better at it. But I uh, think that I'm not interested in being the only one. I don't think that that's, I don't think that that works. I Mm -hmm. I don't think that's gonna be, that's an effective way to become a storyteller or develop, uh, develop a world of storytellers. I wanna give as many queer people of color a shot and like at get it, making their dreams come true in TV as possible in the same way that like, you know, I worked for the guy who was the showrunner of Empire's man named Brett Mahoney. And mm-hmm. he, you know, he'd been a writer for a long time. Brett's very successful. And I, you know, I, my career kind of took a while to get started. I was 30 when I got my first staff job and 35 when I got my second one. So there mm-hmm. was a lot of... There was a lot of like false starts, and is this gonna happen? And oh, you sold a pilot, but then it didn't go and blah, blah, blah. That happened to me. And I sat down with Brett and I was in my staffing interview for Empire. And I'd figured out how to get jobs at that point. So like I was gonna get, I was get got I was gonna get I was probably gonna get other offers, but I hadn't in that moment. And Brett was and I was talking to Brett and he'd read my pilot and he was like, So Cameron Little, like, why haven't you been working? Like, I don't understand. And I said, Well, I mean, I just haven't gotten hired. And he said, That's ridiculous, and hired me essentially on the spot. Cool. And so He's not bred as a straight black man, but what I love about what he did and what I take as my mission from what he did is you got to do that for others. So Mm -hmm. when you see somebody who gets it and who is brilliant, you can give them a couple, you can give them some crumbs. They're not competition. They're just expanding more of the world. And so,
0: yeah. Good Lord. Hey, you, listen, you listening, listen. It's it's really honestly truly so refreshing because I've I've watched TV my whole life. Who hasn't? But like seeing the closet, the web series, and then seeing Noah's Ark, and then seeing um the hmm?
1: shout out to Patrick. He's my friend of mine. Love Patrick.
0: Come on, come Mm -hmm. on. Um, and then reading those James R. Hardy books and like the seeing that bit of like queer history and lore that we have. Where sometimes you had to dig through these CD crates to get to, or know an older, an elder queer person, or mm-hmm. be affiliated with a house, or maybe like, it's so ah oh, just just the act of discovering our history
2: mm-hmm.
0: within, like maybe being in the closet, maybe not being in the closet, figuring out what it is you're like, where do you fall on this? Spe- it's like it's such a beautiful thing, and so to see us go from me being a kid watching the closet, which is something I probably should did not need to watch, but it and had queer. The- Hey, look! <laughs> and then look can- I watched,
1: the way I watched Queers Folk with the volume on two, like oh, in like, the end of my house with both doors, like there was two <laughs> doors, there was one of the top of the stairs, one on the bottom of the stairs. I had them both closed and I was just like sitting in the TV, half watching, half listening so that I could like,
2: do I hear footsteps? Is that my mom? No, I'm not. I'm watching straight porn. I'm watching Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen. The way I'm gonna say the way I watched um logo one girl five gays with my mm-hmm. finger on the last button waiting
0: to change back to Disney Channel. Yes, yes, all time. Yes. Oh my god. Right. Yeah, that, ugh, that's that's a Tom swift is so freaking important. I I'm truly inspired by watching the show. Thank you. I I am, honestly, and thank y'all because this is I'm getting a little overwhelmed, but this is such a phenomenal show, and the care that's been put into it is—I cannot recall a time where I've heard a black cast, regardless of sexuality, talk so highly about how they're treated behind the scenes. Yeah, mm-hmm. how you you're able to give input about wardrobe, how hair and makeup isn't you know truly Anna Beth from Kentucky who's just doing your hair. <laughs> because we're too scared to hire um Ray Ray and him, it's like the care, like that
1: well, I, I The thing is, like, you know, that it was interesting when we first started. Um, Tian got a bad haircut, oh. and I don't know if he'd be mad at me for telling this story, I won't show you the pictures. But basically, Tian was like Tian is a beautiful, obviously a beautiful man yes. and like, you know, my little brother, not like that, but like a very like in shape, like, you know, mm-hmm. stunningly gorgeous jawline, giving you, giving you smile, giving you eye, etc. Mm-hmm. And he had, we got his haircut for the 215 and then he went to, he went to Vancouver because they don't really have black hairstyles in Vancouver. And so we did it in LA. He went there. They just, they just touched it up. They just, they just touched it up. And that was that. But right before we started shooting the pilot, maybe about a month before he got a really bad haircut and they fucked his shit all the way up. They brought, oh. they brought like all the way down here and then they tried, they pushed his line back and they gave him like the crazy, like the little, you know, sometimes when they give you like the little, like the little jump pad, like something mm-hmm. like that. Um, uh, they really fucked his shit up. And he was like, I don't, he had a photo shoot, he canceled it. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. And the reason why I wanted to shoot in Atlanta was because we have an all-Black cast, mm-hmm. and it was really important that we were able to get all-Black cast. We need to be able to get Black extras. And we needed to be able to get Black people who can who, who can do people, Black people who can do makeup and hair. Yeah. And... Yeah. When I went to, not even when I went to Atlanta, like a few days before I flew out in January to shoot the pilot, Tian had like the, the the hair cutting people had arrived, and Tyrone, the master barber, who is our who is our onset barber, did had come through and oh. did his thing, and he had you know he and he fixed it. He brought he, he brought the hair into line. He cut the little lines in the back. He got Tien's line together, and you could just see the light come back into his eyes and how excited he was to be playing the character again and he was just like we did you got the nails on you got the clothes on and you know suddenly he's tom swift Mm. all of that is so important every one of those details is so important for helping the actor be able to do that work and when you think about like for someone like ashley who'd been on riverdale where she was the only black person where ashley literally had to do her own hair and buy her own clothing which is Unheard of and insane. Yeah, she yes. was like, for Ashley to be able to go in and be like, that's one little. I'll give you one little bit of tribute. But actually, able to go in and like, you know, have people we know how to do her hair, have people do her makeup, have people know how to do stuff, and so and have it be great. It was one. It's been wonderful, and that is like, I'm honored that like they received that because mm-hmm. like that's what I really. Actually, even the, the the craziest one is probably Albert. So Albert had never. Albert lives in, grew up in Kenya, and then who plays Rowan, and then he'd been living in like Hong Kong and Australia for the past Mm. like 10 years. And so it had been a long time since he'd had like a good lineup and a deep condition. And the way they just changed his whole life, like in in an an hour, I was like, oh my God, like this is, he was, he was fine before, but like he was like a very (laughs) handsome man, but like it was crazy. This is the bit of trivia. So Zenzi was not supposed to originally appear to be wearing wigs. Like she was just supposed mm. to have the short curly bob, and like that was the hairstyle we chose for her. We tested it blah, blah, blah. And then occasionally she would have a ponytail, maybe. So in episode two, something happened where they shot. I wasn't there, and I got a text from them from the writer who was on set, and he was like, they they didn't do her, they didn't change they changed her hair. I don't know what happened. Mm. So in one scene she had on the short curly wig, and on the net in the next scene, she had on the ponytail. Mm-hmm. and I was like, and there was no explanation of it. And so we were in in the shooting draft. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. So, like, we're just going to shoot. We can't, we can't do that. Like, we can't. I can't be Tyler Perry out here. Like, I can't, like <laughs> I can't. I can't have just a wig switch with no discussion on a black show. Like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So... I wrote the little quips back and forth about, this is Camille, Camille yeah. is the name of one of my, I used to name my cars, and that was my first Mini Cooper was named Camille. <laughs> and so, and they had their little bit, and it worked so well that we were like, she can switch hair every episode if she wants to. Yeah. <laughs> and that is how Zenzi yeah. became a person who wears wigs. It was all a production accident.
0: Oh. and that's another thing that again you can tell the people behind the scenes reflect those on screen because that okay i want to say a show but i don't know there's a show that is a superhero show on the same network with a mm-hmm. black family i'll say that one of those characters definitely switched out that hair all the time and i was like this mm-hmm. not this is not a white girl you can't just put a long ponytail after she had this big <laughs> afro, and be like, Oh, I'm such a such. No, ma'am. So you had time to get suited up and also do you dress your shit out with- and then
1: like really so you blew the whole thing out, you slicked it down, then you did this. I have sisters, I understand. Like this is
0: what ret- <laughs> I used to have hair. It yeah. was a long time, yes. So I I say kudos to y'all for that. Cause that I again I knew when they were hanging above that acid pit. And mm-hmm. then she said, "This is Camille." First mm-hmm. thing I did, what's the name of her other wigs? Throw up a party. <laughs> was so, that was so black, my mama, yes. like we it's just really? my sister. So mm-hmm. my grandma,
2: all of them aunties, like, and it's it's one of those things where it's. Acknowledged, but we move past it. So like if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. don't because know. there were surely some people who did not get it. <laughs> no, and
1: that's the thing is what I wanted to do always is that you know, I've written I've 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 had some success and I've sold a lot of pilots that are, you know, pretty black. And the goal is in like when people don't when the scene is dependent on you be being black to understand the joke. Like, or like to understand all of it, like it gets very, it can be very difficult. And mm-hmm. so like, it can be hard for execs to understand, it can be hard for non-black audiences to understand. And so it's like, that's just a cost you pay sometimes when it's just like, we're mm-hmm. going to do this as a black thing. But what I I hope we were able to do throughout is like, there's enough like ethnic Easter eggs for us. Uh where it's just like if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. But you can still get the show even if you don't have an a cursory understanding of like you know the yep. importance of uh synthetic versus human. Since <laughs> only wearing human hair. Oh my god, never heard good, heard good,
0: heard. good. Right, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I would say you were lying <laughs> if you told me <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Oh my god. Okay, this phenomenal. Um yeah. I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Tom Swift, not a comparison, but what other shows, because we're big nerds over here and the multiverse is open. Thank you, Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Strange. What other shows, past or present, do you think inhabit the same world as Tom Swift? I mean, there's never been an Iron Man
1: show. I think like Falcon and Winter Soldier Soldier a little bit, some vibes of that. I think maybe, what else is there? I think Batgirl kind of did some similar vibes, but it's like Batgirl is much darker. Mm-hmm. Um, uh,
0: and those would be the
1: ones. I think those would be the ones that I think are like that in inha- who like that are in the same world.
0: Okay, that's yeah. that's fair. Um, <laughs> I like that. I went a different route. Where would you go? Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Oh, Lord, live a single. I feel like single. I feel like <laughs> I feel like me like, say, I feel like Lorraine. It is probably that Bel Air of it, mm-hmm. it too. But I feel like Lorraine would have been one of those brownstone girls back in the day. Oh, that's what you and meant.
1: I- you're, you're <laughs> the Tom Swift Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, <laughs> Lorraine definitely was in med school, and she knows Maxine Shaw. Yeah. Like they absolutely <laughs> hang out and like, she's at the party. I'm sure she's in some of those scenes. I think that's good. I think Tom, I, I Tom is like, fun, uh, Tom and Zenzy, uh were at the premiere of Harry Potter in 2015. Mm. I think that, mm. that, like, that, like that was important. That was one of the things that they did. Um, uh, and I think that Isaac, Isaac's house mother was in Paris is Burning. Yes. Like I think that's <laughs> um, oh, very young, new fish just came out, but like first time in Jackson <laughs> Fall, but like very that. And also I think they did the makeup for Chu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julinho.
0: Come on. Come on. My
1: references. I think of those are <laughs> the things that we're that we're that uh, the world that we're existing in. Mm-hmm. Um and I think Tom is definitely Tom and Issa are cool. Like they have like Tom and Mo- and, and Zenzi and Molly like text on the side. Like they're oh, like they are they hang out sometimes, but you know, you <laughs> like end of season, end of series, Molly, like would be hella cool with Zenzi. But when they first met, it was like, mm. I don't know, <laughs> like, just, like, like it. it's cool with her, like they were Deltas together. And something. Yep. it's like, <laughs> hey, boy, I do love, yeah. love it. Oh,
0: yeah, amazing. What you <sighs> got for this?
2: Um, I got one more. What do you got? So, you. Well, it's 10 years later. Mm-hmm. What does your filmography look like?
1: What does my filmography look like? Oh, God. I mean, uh, I want, like, 27,000 more created by credits. Um, uh, and I want to do... <laughs> I mean... I'm trying not to go to, like, what my pat answer is for this, but basically, like, I think what it is that I, so we talk about, like, what are you called to earth to do? Right. So, like, do you believe in higher purpose? Like, is there like a thing that you're supposed to do? The thing that I've found my success in is like telling stories about black people. And it's not that I've you know, it's not that I have. I'm interested. Sure, I'm, I am mean, more than happy. I don't ever see myself. create. I, I see myself creating shows that continue to do that. And what I want to do is, I think that we are so underserved as a community, as for in terms of like the content that we get. And so, what I want to be able to do is, I want to be able to make quality, thoughtful, nuanced, fun, exciting content that features Black characters. And that black people can turn, that that everybody can turn on and enjoy and watch and love and they can have crossover appeal, absolutely. But at their core are an exploration of the black experience and an exploration of the black gay experience and like an exploration of those things. I have no, I'm not gonna make just, I'm not gonna make like CSI or friends. I might make like CSI or friends with black people, but like I'm. that's not really what I'm interested in. Those are the things that I care about and those are the stories that I care about and trying to tell those stories in a way that are as, you know, you can always tell as a as a writer when something has been written by non-black people that is supposed mm-hmm. to be for black people. And mm-hmm. when I've often been a few times in my life as a, as a writer, I've gotten a little call from my agent where they're like, hey, do you want to do um, what's called a black pass on such and such script? Um, there's shit on TV right now that like I've done black passes on. Mm-hmm. And so like, cause it's like, oh, you shouldn't have, you but the point is that you should have hired the black person to do it. Like mm-hmm. that's usually started there instead of giving right. me apology. And so that is what I want it to look like. I have some movies that I've sold there and that are, that are in development. I have some other TV shows that are in development and I want to bring all of those to the screen so that y'all can, it has been one of the great joys of my career to watch y'all watch this show. Like to like, because that's, that's who I made this for, like is, and so, and that's what I want to keep doing, um, hopefully in a bit bigger way, but, I uh, I feel like that's what I want to keep doing. I want to keep making people gasp and shout and tweet and live stream and podcast. Um, because that's the, I think that's the fun and that's what I loved about TV for myself. Um, I've always loved TV as a form of escape, but also as a forum to learn and like a place to like, you know, get excited. And learns and and find some shit and explore some shit and see a world that I that I hadn't seen before, and so that's what I want to do. And so, ten years, I hope I've got twenty seven more created by credits, a giant overall with like a really good partner. Yeah, you know, there we go. Go, mm-hmm.
0: oh, no. Lord, good Lord, I'll, you have really. Done a number on me tonight. Oh, thank you. I'm sure M. Haynes feels the same. You oh god. I just into to see you, and I'll say this. I was a bit nervous when it came down to speaking to you. I was like, man, he is so great. And I'm like, You are probably the same age, relax. But like I've I've thoroughly enjoyed you and your team. Um the show talking mess online, like mm-hmm. At, at this point, I'm just a, you know. Please understand, I'm going to be overly comfortable with you on Twitter now when it comes to his right, live tweets. Yeah, you've yeah. gotten familiar, um, yeah. and
1: that's good. <laughs> <Cool>. Understand? <laughs> I, I, I will. I will remove the "don't make fun of the audience" filter for a moment, <laughs> like the boundary like permissions. I will. I may. I may have to get in that ass, but it's okay. It's
0: okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you oh, can okay. Good. 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 Um, I don't. I just. Just thank you, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for speaking with us. Um, Is there anything that you maybe want to end with, or have something on your mind, or you know, if you want to just share episode nine's plot? But um, I'm not going to share
1: episode nine's plot because honestly, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Like it's that ridiculous, like and not not ridiculous in a bad way, but in like it's in a very like earned, like deep hurt your feelings kind of way. Like you're gonna you're gonna love it, and so um, I, I mean, just guess who's coming to dinner? I guess uh and so i think that'll be fun but with that so i think the other part of it is, is that there's that and is there anything else that i want to say just thank you all for watching the show like i think that it's it's so it's really ho- I've, I've been on SAS before i've had a lot i've had not lots i've had no, lots i've had epi- many episodes of tv air and that kind mm-hmm. of thing but it's very very weird to like take your baby and put it out into the world and <laughs> it, let it go and see what people think about it. And it's been so wonderful to have, to see people receive the what you wanted them to receive. And so oh thank you so much for all of that. Um, I will continue to be ridiculous on Twitter. Hit me. I uh, <laughs> continue to watch the show. I am Cameron J. Awesome on all platforms. On Twitter, I am funny and political. On Instagram, I'm sickening. And uh, that is it. That's all we do. Cool, yeah,
0: cool. Cool. Yeah. Um... I do want to say, though, when you guys have a reunion special, you can definitely invite us to host Oh, for sure. It. Yeah, um, you can just do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> host it <laughs> and, and, and sit up and talk shop with you guys. would we'll would just throw that out there, you know.
1: I will, I, will, I will make sure that you are on the list. It's going to happen.
2: Oh. All right. <laughs> what? <hang>
0: Listen. <laughs> oh, my God. You're such a joy. Um, If you can, social medias and all that. Yeah. Oh, can yeah. Across the board. I of the things. Perfect, <laughs> I got say. Um, so yeah, buy me, and Deuce, everywhere, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. And of course, me, Ray Coleman, Carefree Blurred, and all of those links will be in the show notes. Check them out if you haven't been. Where have you been? Check out Tom Swift. And for those of you who've been along for the ride, use that hashtag DTSPod on Tuesdays, Active Fool. And um, until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And if you happen to run across Claire. Ah! Do put her under the prison. Now Brittany, not her. You don't have a problem with Brittany, but if you run into <laughs> Claire, bro, lock her up and throw away the key and burn and melt the key, please. <laughs> Forever. You're gonna, you're gonna like episode ten. And, uh, time. Okay, <laughs> I and also throwing more motorcycle scenes. But yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys, and check y'all next time.